You know his name. America now at this point knows his name. Paul Vallis. How you holding up? Pretty good, Steve. Two, uh, two more campaign days, and then uh, April 4th. Incidentally, it's my wife's birthday, and she still hasn't told me um, what she's wishing for for her uh, election, election date birthday. I think I might know what that is, the First Lady of Chicago. You know, uh, let's get right to it here. And, and many of these questions are questions from uh, listeners uh, who have written yeah. in, texted in, or have done so through social media. So I want to talk about public transit first, safety on public transit. You've talked about this. Currently, the mayor has police dogs through a private firm. Uh, can you talk about what you will do? Well, first of all, you need to have police officers at every station walking the platforms. I'm talking about in pairs and, and riding the trains. That's what, they, that's what they have in New York. Unfortunately, I don't think they have more than 200 officers and probably far less covering the entire transit system. And then they have 300 privatized security with dogs. Of course, the privatized security, uh, uh, they can't make arrests. They're, they're not really well-trained. And, you know, they get paid very little, and, they, uh, and they're unarmed. So, you know, they're really dysfunctional. I got on to CTA the other day. I was going to campaign in Wrigleyville, the opening of the Cubs game. Now, of course, I'm a White Sox fan. <laughs> but, but I was, I was heading up, I was heading up to Wrigley, uh, you know, to, to do campaigning. And there was, and I was coming from the south side, and I did not see a single police officer until I got to Wrigleyville. Uh, so at the end of the day, I mean, people have the riders who use public transportation. I'm not talking about the ones who don't, but half the riders who use the CTA are feel that it is unsafe. And when I talk to the unions uh, uh, and uh, the, the transit unions, they tell me that their biggest concern is public safety. Well, it's not only public safety. I don't disagree with you. Yes, it is. And uh, that's what I get the feel of from uh, all of you who have texted over and called in over the past many months. But it's also it's more than that. When you visit other cities, their public major cities, their public transportation, you mentioned New York cleaner the quality of the timeliness of when the trains or buses arrive all of those things go ahead there's no doubt there's no doubt that that is failing along all those lines and a part a big part of that is rooted in the safety issues because they have they've seen record exodus of cta employees and they and and they can't replace them because people are afraid to work for the CTA. So at the end of the day, ridership is significantly down in large part because people are afraid to take public transportation. In the evenings, I mean, you know, depending on the line, you just don't see anybody on the train. So clearly public safety is an issue. What I would do is I would take that $100 million and I would be able to hire anywhere from three to 350 additional police officers who would be dedicated the public transportation. So there's a car, police car outside every station, and there are uh, police. Uh, there are two police officers walking every platform, and there's both undercover and uniformed officers going b- bouncing from train to train. People need to know that the, that the public transportation is safe and and secure. And and what I would also do is. Uh, you know, create an ambassadors program, which essentially 
gives the police access to social services because there's a lot of people literally uh, uh, setting up camp in in the uh, people who are homeless people uh, uh, you know who who uh, are seeking shelter and and they've got to have the social services there to get them off the trains and in in uh, temporary housing you know I, I met a guy who was homeless his um, uh, family victim of tragedy. He, uh, uh, he's been riding the train, literally living in the train. Uh, he was a former engineer down on his luck. Uh, and, uh, and he can't get into the homeless shelters. He's actually tried to get off the, the train, but he can't get any support services. So clearly we've got to provide the support services. But there's no substitution for having, like they have in New York, a, the presence of trained, dedicated uh, Chicago police officers on the platforms, riding the trains, and at the CTA station. Is there going to be a new head of the CTA? Well, you know, look, you know, I, you know, I, I think clearly the CTA has major, major uh, leadership issues. Is it the is it the fault of the head, or is it the fault of the people that are working under him? And when I've had conversations with the unions, uh, they tell me that the current head of the CTA uh, it, it has has done a, an effective job uh, accessing federal dollars, uh, obviously for the red line and other things. And he has said, you really need to deliberate before you make a decision on whether Carter should be replaced. Uh, uh, and uh, because he believes that the problem is in the, in the, uh, you know, in the, in the middle level management and the upper management. So, you know, look, clearly, I believe that the management, that the CTA system, the public transit system in Chicago, has really not been effectively managed. Uh, clearly, they've fallen completely down in public safety. So I'm certainly prepared to make the management changes, but I am going to definitely, definitely put together uh, a unit, 500-plus uh, strong uh, police officers who are selected to provide public safety on the transit system, just not officers that are, you know, that are fitting into those positions or that are working overtime. We need a dedicated Chicago Police Department public transit unit who are trained and specialized in protecting riders, users of public transportation, just like they do in New York. And I believe that that is priority number one. Speaking with mayoral candidate Paul Vallis on WGN. Okay, kind of a yes or no here regarding property taxes. Are you going to raise them or are you not going to raise them? Because I don't know that there's middle ground there. No, I'm going to hold the line of property taxes. Uh, You know, I I do want to say one thing, though. I believe we have to cap individual property tax increases by capping uh, uh, increases in individual assessments in, in homes that haven't seen physical improvement, that that, you know, haven't been upgraded in businesses, the same thing. I mean, look at what happened in in Pilsen and Little Village. I mean, yeah. the assessments went up 46%. So even though the city allegedly, well, the city did impose a property tax cap, of course, the schools didn't, the assessments in those gentrifying communities dramatically increased. So I really think that you've got to have a cap that protects individual taxpayers against these 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 massive reassessments because of gentrification. And, and there is state law authorizing that. So a priority of mine will be to hold the line on property taxes overall while, the, while implementing a cap on individual property tax increases. 
school safety, uh, always an issue, but after yet another, another mass shooting, <sighs> beyond words, uh, what are we going to do to prevent that from happening in this city, Mr. Vallis? Well, look, uh, look, uh, as you know, my opponent, uh, <laughs> a longtime advocate for defunding the police, the Chicago Teachers Union leadership uh, uh, has has pushed, particularly, you know, particularly after the, the George Floyd tragedy, they really pushed for getting police officers out of the schools and half the high schools, basically uh, local school councils voted not to have police officers. I think that is a serious, serious mistake. Uh, I, you need Chicago police officers at the entrance of schools, particularly high schools, to deter active shooters. I, I was in Sandy. Uh, I was in uh, a Bridgeport, Connecticut, superintendent of public schools there, when Sandy Hook occurred. Yeah. And they did not have a police officer. You remember, I had a teacher who had a first grader in that class where 20 children were killed. I mean, and the teacher was killed. The bottom line is now they, you have to have police officers who are trained to deter active shooters. We saw what happened at Warriors High School where the school got out, the kids, uh, there wasn't even a police car stationed outside the school, and two students were murdered. There have been 200, almost 250 school shootings in the last 10 years, three times the previous 10 years. And among the over 30 superintendents who at one time or another worked for me, two of those superintendents have presided over schools where there were multiple shootings. So you have to have uniformed police officers to deter active shooters. Now, that said, you also have to have other things. You have to have an early warning system because a lot of times when there are shootings, a lot of times it's, 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 uh, uh, Intel is, ga- is gathered. Information, you know, when there have been shootings in schools, multiple shootings in schools in the past, you always read about uh, where somebody posted something, something was on Facebook. Uh, there were social media exchanges. People were telegraphing what they were going to do. So you've got to set up a 24-7 reporting system, and you could create, the district the, the, can create its own 24-7 social media reporting platform so young. So when there are rumors about somebody, uh, students, uh, you know, when there are rumors about somebody planning to do something or talking about doing something in school, there's a vehicle for individuals who hear and pick up on those uh, rumors to communicate it to the school, and 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 then the school can take the appropriate precautions. So it's critically important that you have set up a 24/7 reporting system so that you can monitor social media and you can gather intel. We had a 24-7 uh, hotline back before there was Facebook and Twitter and social media, and we used to get calls about individuals bringing, trying to bring a gun to the school or hiding a gun right outside the school. We constantly uh, gathered intel, calls anonymously, that allowed us to investigate and prevent shooting from happening. I have... I have presided over the largest school districts in four different states, and and in all those years, uh, I there was only one incident where a gun was fired in the school, and that was a third or fourth grader who who, who brought a gun 
from home, like show and tell, and they fired a bullet through the, uh, the wall. Unfortunately, nobody was hurt. That's crazy. That's so, do you attri- do you attribute that to you, or do you attribute that to your policy regarding police in the schools? And Chicago, by the way, uh, so answer that quickly. But Chicago has great gun laws, but we still have every single night now. For the past five nights, right. convenience stores held up, people held up on the street at gunpoint. How do we stop the guns? Yeah, look, you know, clearly, clearly, even with the stuff as gun laws, uh, those gun laws are porous because guns can come from across the Indiana border. You know, there aren't the, t- the type of national gun controls that can restrict the access to guns. I think the police department, and I've advocated for this really quickly, the police need to have their own 911. Uh, uh, they, they need to have their own, uh, not 911, they need to have their own crime lab but so that we can do gun tracing, we can do tracking. They don't track guns. They don't tra- They may confiscate 10,000 guns a year, 10,000 plus, but are they arresting anybody? You see what I mean? So clearly you have to be able to trace and track the guns, and then, and then you have to be, make arrests. And then you have to increase the penalties for individuals who are, who are like convicted felons who are caught carrying a gun. At the end of the day, you've got to be serious about gun control as well as accountability. And you've got to trace and track and you've got to arrest. But there's no substitute for having sworn officers uh, uh, to deter active shooters outside schools. And let me tell you, I will tell you from the hotline uh, calls we got in about somebody hiding a gun. Once a call came in about somebody having a gun, and bringing a gun into the school and he, in his locker, and we opened the locker, and there was like a, you know, there was like a Beretta. So the bottom line is, I know from experience that you, early warning systems, monitoring social media, having hotlines, when kids hear rumors, they can call those rumors in anonymously. I believe that that helped us, uh, helped avert what could have been tragedies in the districts that I ran. Obviously, nothing's foolproof. Uh, you know, a lot of it is just good fortune and prayers, but you, you need to do the intelligence gathering and you need to have police officers train security uh, at the doors to deter active shooters. So you've uh, talked a lot about uh, people, they commit a crime, they're found guilty. They really should not be back out on the street the next day. And uh, Kim Fox and Judge Evans and others are responsible for that. The mayor has only some control about it. But you broke news on this show, actually, with a novel idea. Well, I think what you can do is, first of all, let's understand, if you look at CWB Chicago, that's a reporting system that looks at all the crime data. Uh, they do a monthly report, and, and they... They, uh, they look at the arrests for murders and shootings, and, uh, and they identify, they, they list how many of those murders and shootings were called by people out on bail or out, out on the early, early release program, out on felony bail. And, and it's like 15% of those arrested. You know, now just apply that to all the murders and all the shootings in Chicago, and those are some serious numbers there. And the problem here is you need to distinguish when it comes to granting bail between serious felons and and and, and you know and and violent felons, and you need to distinguish between uh, you know uh, between the habitual felons when it comes to uh, awarding bail because you got to keep dangerous people off the street. But what I have said is, look, you try. 
the mayor's got to work with Fox and the judges and the FBI, and they've got to work with the U.S. Attorney's Office. There's got to, the Sheriff's Office, there's got to be cooperation, and there's got to be coordination. And so there's no substitute for trying to bring people together so you can reach some common ground on how to deal with these violent criminals. But you have to be prepared to bypass the state's attorney if you, if need be. And, and you can work with the U.S. Attorney's Office to prosecute instead of, uh, you know, in, in certain cases, because the U.S. Attorney's Office can prosecute and the penalties are much tougher. You can also bypass the state's attorney when they don't charge and you can go directly to the judges themselves. And you can also bring charges yourself. The law department can be empowered to create a litigation division that, in essence, can be a prosecutor, uh, prosecutor's office that can actually prosecute cases uh, in certain uh, instances where you feel that the state's attorney has failed to prosecute and is putting citizens in harm's way. So while you have to be prepared to work with the state's attorney, you need to be prepared in order to keep people safe and to hold people accountable. You right. also have to be prepared to bypass the state's attorney if need be. Okay, I've got some quick ones here. Quick ones, one sentence answers or less. Uh, Chicago used to be, once was, known as the cleanest big city in America, no more. Uh, do you intend to do something about that? Yeah, well, I intend on bringing people into the streets and sanitation, restoring the graffiti busters, doing all the things that I did when I was budget director uh, early on in the Daly administration that really transformed Chicago into one of the cleanest cities in America. So whether it was getting rid of rats or uh, filling the potholes or repaving the streets or getting the graffiti off the walls in literally in a, you know, in, in a matter of hours, uh, there's, with the right management, and the right priorities being set, I believe we can make this city one of the cleanest in America again. Along those lines, I know you care about the environment. The League of Women Voters has reached out and said, we're interested in whoever the next mayor is to have an environmental town hall meeting. Would you commit to attend such a thing? Yeah, you know, absolutely. But more importantly, uh, when I was city budget director, we actually had a Department of the Environment, and I expanded that department. Uh, under Henry Henderson, uh, if you remember the late Henry yep. Henderson, yep. who was the director. And and Rahm Emanuel got rid of that department, so I would restore that department and empower it, because you're not going to really advance a strategy for global warming, get getting let out of the uh, strategy for getting let out of the drinking water, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, getting rid of the food deserts, unless you have, uh, you know, doing environmental justice, ensuring that there's environmental justice in Chicago, unless you have a robust, uh, autonomous, independent, and well-resourced Department of the Environment, and I'm going to restore that department and make sure that it has the resources to be effective. 30 seconds is all I have. Animal welfare, I know, is an issue you've long cared about. Uh, the connection between human-animal human animal bond and also Chicago animal care and control, will that be something you seriously look at very quickly? Well, we have talked about that uh, uh, so many times, yes. and you know, uh, I think that's really important, particularly, uh, I, we all know the value that that a comfort pets uh, uh, play uh, in people's lives, uh, you know, obviously, including our dog, Jack, that passed away, uh, that was such a, that was such a comforting dog for my wife when we lost our youngest son, 
and uh, and uh, and so um, yeah, you know where my heart is. We really need to take a comprehensive approach, and uh, we all know the importance that animals play in people's lives. So we really have to have a humane policy that works. But there are so many people who really are experts in this field. You know, I'm going to bring people together, and we'll come. We will make we will make Chicago the you know the most pet friendly city uh, in the nation. Well, I love that. Paul Vallis, uh, we're over time here, so all I can say is thank you so much. Thank you so much, and I look forward to coming on the show um, once I'm elected mayor, God willing. Fair, fair enough. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. All right, buddy. All right, bye-bye.